Welcome to the Cross Church. We're excited to bring you these weekly messages. Find out more about us or contribute online at thecross.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, Faith Family and Friends, this is Pastor Chris, and we're wrapping up this week in our series entitled, I Love My Church. And I do love this church. Uh, outside the Savior, the best part about the Cross Church is definitely its people. And I hope that you understand that our online ministry to you is really a supplement. It's not a substitute. Uh, what I mean by that is this. It's, it's a supplement. If you're away from our faith family, we hope you can stay plugged in by being a part of this. If you're around the country, uh, we hope that you utilize this as a supplement for your spiritual diet. Uh, perhaps you find yourself you know, away because of sort of medical or some sort of unique situation in life. Hey, that's why we do this. But there is no substitute for being a part of the flesh and blood body of Christ. And I hope and pray that if it's not here, you would find some place that you could be a part of and you can plug your life into. Do you realize we have 17 weeks left in 2022? It's hard to believe that. And you think over these next 17 weeks, all that's going to happen over these next 17 weeks I mean, we're going to celebrate all different kinds of holidays. Hey, the fall's going to hopefully get here. You know, we have pro football uh, starting up this week. We've got, uh, you know, we're going to have Halloween. We're going to have Thanksgiving. We're going to have Christmas. We're going to have the new year. Um, we're going to redecorate our houses two or three different times over just these next 17 weeks. Now, I hope and pray that you have some some great memories and that uh, you make some some cherished moments with your families and your friends but yet here's what I, I know to be true of us as people. We always tend to cram more things in to a time period than really the time allows. In fact, most of us just, just kind of over these next 17 weeks, we're not careful. We're going to roll into 2023, Lord willing, and we're just going to be tired. I want to talk to you this weekend about something that we don't often think of, and yet it is incredibly, incredibly important for you and for me, I want to talk about soul care. You know, I was thinking uh, as as I was watching football last weekend, uh, just how ironic watching football really is in a stadium. Because in a stadium, you have 22 people in desperate need of rest, and you have a stadium full of people who are in desperate need of exercise. You have people who literally are making comments about someone missing a tackle or not catching a pass or not running fast enough as they eat their third hot dog, right? Um I've noticed with sports like NASCAR, if in fact that's a sport, I know that's a controversial statement, but if in fact it is, uh, I noticed this, that they really put a lot of emphasis on their tires. They put a lot of emphasis on uh, the tread. They put a lot of emphasis on air pressure. I went to a NASCAR race one time. I've only been one time. Um, one was plenty for me. Uh, but I remember this, uh, that as I was watching this unfold, uh, I was I went down on pit road because you can only watch people. I had I had some passes to get down there, and you can only watch people turn left for so long. And uh, so I went down, and there's just these mounds of tires. And, and what I noticed this is that uh, you, you could hear the the pit crews talking to the drivers about them watching their tires and and understanding where they were in the tread life of that tire. Because what they understood was this. They wanted to take those tires right to the edge, and they wanted to go to pit row, and they wanted to change out those tires before they blew. Because if you blow a tire on a NASCAR track when you're going that fast, I mean, it's going to have catastrophic implications. It's true for us, too, and yet sometimes we press our tires. I know for me, uh, there's been times 
that I, I've gone to go get my car inspected and didn't pass inspection. Why? I didn't have enough tread on my tire. See, I believe that you drive tires to the point where they get so almost threadbare, you can see the air, right? I mean, like, I want to be a good start, steward of those tires. But in life, the reality is this. You can only go as fast as your soul's tread. In fact, a message point today is simply this. Your life's speed is determined by your soul's tread. And I want you to see this with me in light of what it says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30, when it says this. And at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise understanding. You've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, from gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, when we think about ourselves, one of the things we have to, to understand about us is this. It, it, and by way of introduction, I just want to give you two things. The first is this, is that you're not a body with a soul. You're a soul with a body. In fact, the Bible says this in Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And listen to this incredible phrase, and man became a living soul. In other words, when God looks at us, when God looks at you, he sees you not just as a person who has a body and a life, but he sees you as a soul. You see, that's what distinguishes us from the animals. You know, I... The truth is, animals do not have a soul. People have a soul. You have been built for forever. You will live and exist someplace. There is a transcendent part in all of this. And, it's, and you see these echoes, and whether it be music or movies or art, whatever it may be, we, we actually talk about the soul of things and even most common things. In fact, there used to be a guy, his name was James Brown. We call him the godfather of soul. There's a whole kind of cooking called soul food. We, we say about a person that they're the soul of the heart and the soul of a team. You see, we all know intrinsically that there's, there's something bigger. There's something within us that's beyond ourselves, and it's a soul. And the question is this, how are you stewarding the soul that God has given to you? You see, here's the second thing by introduction. Losing your soul is not about a destination, but a condition. Uh, Mark 8.36, it says this. Jesus said these words, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? What does it matter if you achieve all those things that you've set out to achieve? You get the house you want, you get the job you want, you get all these things, and yet when you get to the end of your life and you find that your soul is 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 bare and you see that your soul is is so shot and that honestly the the best part of you is is really in some ways it's like the the walking dead it was the great emperor charlemagne who many years ago archaeologists found his tomb in france and this was a man who had accomplished he was he was a king he he literally conquered worlds in his time he he was one of the greatest leaders on the face of the earth in the days that he lived and when they opened that tomb for the first time, they found, they found all kinds of unusual treasures that he brought back to his kingdom from all across the world. 
But one of the most unique things about Charlemagne was that they found the old emperor on his throne. It was a huge vaulted throne. And in his hand, um, he had an open Bible. And here's his skeletal remains, and he has an open Bible, and his finger pointed to, down in that Bible, that very verse I just read to you. What does it profit for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? There was no greater influence on the, in the world at that moment in, in history than Charlemagne, and yet Charlemagne knew he was made for something more. And friend, you were too. And so you, your life's speed is determined by your soul's tread. Say it with me. Your life's speed is determined by your soul's tread. When you think about the topic of soul care, like what, what, what would that have to do with you practically? I would say it has everything to do with you practically. Because from your soul, you live. From your soul, you interact with people. From your soul, like your soul is who you are at your core and at your essence. I see three things. I'm just going to tell you in advance. You need to take notes on this. These are some things that you need to put into practice as you practice soul care over these next 17 weeks. Because you could literally go through some of the most joyous times of the year, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all these things. Are, hey, I have a birthday in October, right? All these different joyous events. And you could actually get to the end of these next few weeks and your soul will have whittled away. Like you could be dry, you, you, you could be, you, you could be um, wanting, you could be lacking. You, you, you could feel so overwhelmed with life and all that's gone with it. So here are three things I want to give you. First two points are pretty quick. Third one's a little bit longer. So the very first thing about soul care is this, write down this word, receptivity. Receptivity. It says this in verse 25, And at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise from the understanding, and he revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. You know, Jesus knew we were going to have some hard days. Jesus knew there were going to be some tough times. In fact, he, he told us, he said that in this world we would have trouble, but take heart, he's overcome the world. One of those was his cousin, John the Baptist, the one who baptized him there on the banks of the Jordan, the one who... Uh, literally stood before all and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in Luke 7, 20, John the Baptist has now been incarcerated. He's about to be beheaded. He's about to be beheaded at the whim of a maniacal king and his, and his um, family. And in Luke 7, 20, it says this. It says, And when the men, these were John's disciples, had come to him, meaning Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us, saying, are you the one who's to come, or shall we look for another? You can just imagine, John has lived his life. He's tried to do everything God's wanted him to do. And yet John the Baptist finds himself in jail. He didn't even know yet he's about to meet his very timely death. John the Baptist finds himself just worn out. There are going to be times when you and I are going to say, I just went off the ride. There are going to be some moments when we're just going to want to throw in the towel and we're just going to give up. We're just going to walk away from faith. They want to walk away from Jesus. That's exactly what happened right here. We're going to want to be done with these things. A number of years ago, um, our church uh, here, the Cross Church, has an annual carnival. And at the carnival, uh, there is this particular ride called the Zipper. I don't know if you've ever seen this, this ride, but literally it spins you around every different way it possibly can while it holds you in this little cage. And I remember um, it was a, a very important night in my life that night because my, my son wanted to ride this ride. So I said, okay, we'll ride this ride. 
We get into the car of the zipper, which I have now realized that I am way too big for this little cage. And as this thing begins to spin, I also began to realize something. You know, as you get older, you know why older people don't like roller coasters and, and, and rides like that anymore? Because what happens is this, we lose inner ear strength. Uh, we lose the ability to be able to find our equilibrium in our inner ear. And so that's why you don't see, that's usually why you see, you know, 12-year-olds and, and not, you know, 82-year-olds riding roller coaster. Not saying 82-year-olds can't, just saying they normally don't. And as this thing begins to spin, I begin to realize something. I am definitely getting older, and my inner ear is not keeping up my, because my son's like, whoa, this is, oh, this is awesome. Oh, he's having a great time. I wanted to change the name of the ride from the zipper to the vominator because that's exactly what I wanted to do when this experience was over. But yeah, here's the thing about it. Kids are great receptors. Kids can receive things well. In fact, kids can lock on to a thing or a person. Have you ever been to a restaurant and like you're there and you're sitting there and all of a sudden there's that one little kid who's like maybe in their high chair or maybe in the booth right beside you and they're looking over and they're just locked on to you? Like that is like the most creepy stare there is, right? Because when they get fixated on something, I mean, they just stay with it. And Jesus points out in this text, he says, these things have been revealed to little children. You know why little children can receive? You know why little children um, can perceive things we don't? It's because they're humble. It's because they'll receive. Little children know they have needs, so little children will, will, will take. Little children aren't afraid to ask. You see, um, you and I, if, if when we get to the weary parts of life, when our soul's tread is going down, we have to begin to ask ourselves this question, to where am I going to receive? Because little children receive. Jesus said these things have been hidden from the wise and the learned, but he's been, they've been given to children. Why? Because they humbly just admit that they have need and they humbly receive. See, there's a second thing. And the second is this, you're taking notes, is this. Because you see, your life speed, right, uh, is determined by your soul's tread. And the second word I would give you is the word revelation. So, so the first word is receptivity. The second word is revelation, verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to Reveal him. You see, it speaks in these verses right here of relationship. It says that, that, that Jesus is saying, he says, all this has been handed over me by my Father, and no one knows the Son. No one really knows me but the Father, and no one knows the Father except those that the Son reveals him to. You see, here's what's fascinating. Biblical Christianity, and you need to remember this, is a revealed faith. Biblical Christianity is not a learned faith. In fact, it, it's great. You and I can we can we can get some information. We can, but you do realize that it is the Holy Spirit of God that reveals these things. And this only happens when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why some people can grow up in the same home. They can be given the same content, the same data, the same information, whatever you'll call it, and there'll be one kid who will become a passionate follower of Christ. And there'll be another. There'll be another uh, sibling in that home who will just totally walk away from God, be anti-Christian, anti-church, anti-God. And, and it's, a, it's a question of revelation. This is why I've always said that there's no such thing as an atheist. Because an atheist says, well, there is no God. You know, that's a very arrogant statement when you say that. And here's why. Because that implies that you have gone everywhere in the known universe 
to be able to ascertain whether there is a God. In fact, when I've talked to atheists, I say, have you been to the moon? Well, no. Well, how do you not know that God doesn't live there? Well, have you ever been to the Far East? Have you ever explored? No. So here's the thing about it. There are no such thing as atheists. There are simply people that God has not revealed himself to. When we find ourselves in our most wearisome times, we have to be able to put our lives before Jesus and say, I need to receive some things from you. And then we need to say this, as I put myself in front of you, because the scripture says you'll seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart, we need to ask God to reveal some things to us. We, we, don't, need to, we don't need more information. We don't need more. We don't need another podcast. We need the revelation that only comes from Christ. Which brings us to our third point. It's our biggest point. And this is honestly the hardest thing for people like us to do. And it's simply this. It's found, so there's the receptivity, there's the revelation. But this last part is the word rest. Now, when I talk about rest, I'm, I'm not talking about did you get a good night's sleep? Do you feel, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about those kind of things. I'm talking about this deep, soul-satisfying place where you find yourself um, completely refreshed and renewed back to your created levels in your mind, your body, your soul. That you have been restored to your creative, the, your created levels. Huge point. Because sometimes we just mistake maybe a couple of nights of sleep or maybe we took a little vacation. And, and the reality is this. I think as I'm talking, I'm speaking to exhausted people. In fact, um, let's just do a little test. How do you know if your soul needs rest? You ought to jot these down. You constantly feel fatigued. In other words, it does not matter how much rest. It doesn't matter if you change mattresses. It doesn't matter if you go on vacation. You go on vacation, you come back, you need another vacation for your vacation. You're, you are fatigued. There's this chronic fatigue that is just permeates your body. There's a loss of hunger for God's word. There was a time in your life whenever you're passionate about God's word, man, you get up in the mornings, you'd study the word, you would, and, and you would open a Bible, you were in a plan, and you don't do that anymore. There's this feeling you have that you're just you're just somehow you're sort of far away from God. That, you know, you just you, you feel the drift. It's begun to happen, probably because you're just tired, probably because of the lack of God's word, but now you're starting to feel that. You have no desire to serve other people. You used to be gracious, you used to use your gifts. You used to want to help other people, and now you just think about other people, and you're just like, oh, that, that, that just, they, people wear me out. I've peopled out. Have you ever heard people say, I'm just peopled out, right? Um, there's a feeling of entitlement. Um, basically, it's kind of like this. I have done my time. Um, I, you know, we need, I now need some me time. I've given so much to other people. Now this is about me. I don't care if they agree with me. I don't even have to like me. I'm about to make this about me. There's this overwhelming feeling of uncertainty. Uncertainty about the future. You begin to really become pessimistic about what's going to happen. You, you begin to doubt even some of the, the, the strongest relationships in your life. You're uncertain. You don't trust people. Um, you kind of hold people at bay. Um, there, there's always, you always think there's an angle. You become a conspiracy theorist. You have these feelings of uncertainty. Can I ask this question? Fatigue, loss of God's word, feeling far from God, no desire to serve others, entitlement, feeling of uncertainty. Does that describe you? Like, does that, if you were just to be honest, does that really describe where you are today? 
Because there was a time when, when some of these things weren't true for you, and now you see them as true. So here's the thing about soul care. How do we practically practice this? And this is today where I really want you to hear these truths. And the first one is simply this. You have to accept the invitation. Notice what it says in verse 30, what it says there. He says in verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That first, those first three words, come to me. If you follow the words of Jesus throughout the New Testament, you'll see these, these words, come to me, are, are said other places. In fact, one of my favorite places this is said is in John chapter 7, verse 37, when Jesus is at a big celebration, and here's what he says, it says, on the last and great day, the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Set the scene for you. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. It happens there in Jerusalem every year. Um, and the people there actually live outside of their homes. They live in tents for eight days. Each day, the priests would leave the Temple Mount, go down to what was called the Pool of Siloam, take a golden pitcher, bring it back up, and would pour it onto the altar. And it, it represented the physical provision of water in the desert that God provided the people of Israel as they were there in the desert in the time of Moses. And it showed God's provision for physical thirst. And so what would happen is this, on the last and greatest day, because a lot of people didn't show up for all the other seven days, they all show up on, the, on this, this eighth day, and the priests would go down, and they would actually do this multiple times. It was the one day they would do this multiple times. They went up the hill and down the hill and down the hill and up the hill. And they would sing, um, they would sing from the book of Isaiah 12, 3, Therefore you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. Therefore you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. So they would do this up and down. And in that moment, at the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus, he's watching this pomp and circumstance. And he says this, If anyone's thirst, let him come to me and drink. And, and you could imagine, this was an audacious statement. Like, it honestly, people would have thought, how arrogant, unless you're God. And Jesus makes this statement, and, and, and he just stops the party. I mean, just the record scratches. I mean, the whole place just goes, what? Because here's what he knew. They were going through ritual, and they were missing the reality of who was standing in their midst. And sometimes we do too. Sometimes we miss the reality. Of, do you realize that dehydration is a, is a major physical problem. If you lose 2% of the, your body's water, you begin to dehydrate. And hydration is one of those, hydration is a need that you and I have that never ceases. Like you can go some days without food, you can go a few weeks without food, but you can only go like a few days before you will die from, a, from dehydration. And in fact, do you realize that whenever your body begins to dehydrate, you feel so much pain? Like your joints begin to stiffen up, your body doesn't function as it should, you feel more pain. And why do I say this to you? Because Jesus gives us this great invitation. Come to me, the satisfier of your thirst. John Mark Cromer, he's a pastor on the West Coast. He wrote a great book. And in that book, here's what he says. He says, ultimately, nothing in this life apart from God can satisfy our desires. Tragically, we continue to chase after our desires ad infinitum. The result, a chronic state of restlessness or worse, angst, anger, anxiety, disillusionment, depressionment, all of which lead to a hurry of life, a life of busyness, overload, shopping, materialism, careerism, a life of more. 
which in turn makes us even more restless, and the cycle spirals out of control. You see, I think I'm talking to some really thirsty people right now. I think I'm talking to some people that desperately need a drink. And here's the thing about it. Jesus, Jesus says this about the people that he's referring to. He says these are people that labor and are heavy laden. So labor means this. They're just weary and they're tired and they're exhausted because of the toils and the grief. I, I, these are the kind of conversations I have with people all the time. How are you doing? Man, I'm, I'm just, man, I'm so busy. I'm just so tired. Man, I'm barely seeing my family. Man, I, I can't work out anymore. Man, I just feel like I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed. And then, and then heavy laden, that word right there speaks to, I got a heavy load. Like, I bet if we could just talk, you know, in a two-way conversation, there'd be some of you who'd be like, man, Pastor, you don't understand. If you knew what I was going through, you just don't even understand the kind of burden that I am carrying. And here's what I'd suggest to you. Have you leaned into the invitation? Could it not be, by the way, there's people who, man, they have medical issues, and, and I, I never want to minimize that. Can I just be this blunt? Could it be we have some of the anxiety, some of the depression, some of the issues we even have psychologically today in our world because we just don't take up the invitation to go to the one who can satisfy our thirst? You see, um, the second way you practice this soul care in practically speaking is you, you, you lean into the invitation, but the other is this, you learn submission. You learn submission. Because he says right here, take my yoke upon you. And then in verse 30, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, uh, this, is, this is a tough one for us because no one likes to submit. In fact, I would say this, a lot of times, one of the problems we have is because when we find ourselves uh, in, a, in a place where we're weary, we find ourselves in a place needing advice, we pick up the phone and we call people or we text people and instead of taking the invitation. And, and, and by the way, can I just give you this warning? Whenever you ask for advice in your most depleted moments, you give other people in your life a lot of power over you that Jesus intends to have. And so it starts with that invitation. But listen, you got to learn submission. You, you, you got to learn submission. And boy, we hate that word, submission. Why? Because here's the reality. You are yoked to something. And in fact, uh, the word submission, I'll just give you a definition. It's relenting to the weight of an authority. Nobody that I know readily likes to say that they enjoy authority. But I want you to know something. We all, whether we want to own it or not, we all find our way uh, find our way submitted to some kind of authority. You know why I know this? We all pick up a yoke. That word yoke is, um, is an interesting word because that word yoke, there's really two different kinds of yokes uh, that this verse implies. One is the, the yoke, which is an agrarian yoke. It's the yoke that a, a team of oxen would, would hitch themselves to. And what Jesus is saying is this, is that whenever you take up his yoke, right? Check this out. That it's that it's it's easier, that it's easier. Why? Because he's helping you pull the load. The reason some of our lives are so dissatisfying is because we're living lives God never intended for us to live. The other kind of yoke is a domestic yoke, and you'll see this in developing nations where they'll take a stick and they'll put it across their shoulders, and they may put like a twenty-five pound bag of rice over here and a twenty-five pound bucket of water over here, and they walk. And so what Jesus says this. When you take up my yoke, 
It's easy. Why? Because I'm on the other side and look at this and my burden is light because it's balanced. Some of us have taken repossession of our own lives to such an extent that check this out. We're taking on yokes. We're carrying burdens. God never intended for you to. But if you take the invitation and you learn submission, then notice what happens next. It leads to you experience transformation. Write that down. You experience transformation because he says right here, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Look at this. For I'm gentle and lonely of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Anybody in need of, of rest? Man, I know so many people in need of rest. See, that word there, to learn from me, is a verb of command. And by the way, we never learn enough. But the thing about it is this. Jesus takes our information... And through his revelation, he turns it into wisdom. Now we're living life on a, on a Godward level. You see, um, can I ask you this question? What's the last thing you learned from Jesus directly? When you opened up the book, what's the last thing you learned from Jesus? I think it's great we have podcasts. I think it's great we have preachers. Hey, wouldn't have a job if didn't have, wasn't doing this. But when's the last thing Jesus taught you? Jesus wants to teach you. He wants to teach me personally. And I think really and truly, Matthew 9, 36, if Jesus were to look at our crowd here that's watching this, he would say this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And, and, and I want to end this by, by just simply drawing this out to you. I want you to notice with me two words as we close this because these are revolutionary words. And it's the word there. It says this, that he is gentle. He is gentle and lowly in heart. What does that mean? Like how, how could that bring about your transformation? Well, that word gentle does not mean a lack of strength. It means a giant who comes down to your level. And lowly, it, it, it literally means this. It's, it's of low degree, not rising too far from the ground. See, when Jesus looks out and he sees you today, he sees us as a sheep without a shepherd. And here's what's so beautiful about infinite God who, who moves himself into the finite, into the very details of our lives, so he can come right next to his sheep and he can take care of them because he's not a God who's far off, he's a God who's close near. And what's amazing is, is when you look at that word rest, he'll find rest for our souls. Uh, in verse 28, we see it's a verb. That we, we, will, like, we will find it. But then in verse 29, look at this. Once we have received the invitation, and once we've, we've gone through this process, look what happens. He gives us. It moves from a verb to a noun. And that word there in, in 29, it literally means this. It, it, it means that word rest means intermission. And it means this. I don't know about you, whether it be a halftime at a football game, whether it be intermission at a play, like it says, I, I've almost made it. He will give you what you need. You see, friend, I just think that I'm speaking to a lot of really tired people. And if I were just going to take this whole message down and just boil it down to two words, if you don't remember anything else I've said, I want to give you these two words because Jesus gives us this great invitation and, and Jesus causes us to submit, to learn submission and then to experience transformation. And how could you do this? If you had to put two words in your world this week, what, what these two words would be this, the word receive and depend. Receive and depend. 
Man, you start feeling dehydrated in the soul, you receive, you depend. You got bad news at work, you receive, and you depend. You're struggling in your marriage, you receive, you depend. You gotta figure out how to deal with your kid, you receive, and you depend. What if God's words really are true? And what if over the next 17 weeks, we could truly live some of the greatest lives ever? Why? Because we simply realize something, that our life's speed is dictated by our soul's truth. Hey, until next time, God bless you.